0: so today 's uh, reading and gospel uh, both have a somewhat common theme which might not be entirely evident initially. Uh, the reading to the, the first letter to the uh, sorry the first reading that we had the letter to the Hebrews uh, speaks about the people turning against God so uh, at Merba and Massah when the people who had been freed from slavery in Egypt were in the desert and they grumbled against God. Uh, at Massa, they, they grumbled against God for not providing water for them. So they were thirsty out in the desert. But rather than asking God, rather than uh, praying to God, rather than uh, going to Moses and saying, Moses, you know, God has shown us in, uh, through great miracles and prodigies that he will indeed take care of us. We're thirsty. Would you mind having a word with him that he may provide water? But instead of asking God, they grumble against him and grumble against Moses. So you know God the, the, the ten plagues the parting of the Red Sea column pillar of fire pillar of cloud all these miracles that the Lord works uh, manna of course uh, on a daily basis and the double portion the day before the Sabbath long story lots of miracles there that that, that the Lord has shown that he will take care of them uh, but then as soon as they're thirsty ah you don't care about us it's just you know this immediate reaction just to rebel against God so uh, this is is what the the, the Hebrews is, is reminding uh, the people of that that uh, very easily we can turn our hearts from god the The, the reading then the psalm the, the then goes on to to repeat that whole uh, situation that that whole scenario, how we should come and bow and bend low and kneel before God our Maker rather than grumble against him and uh, rather than behave like our ancestors did at, at mass and the desert and they Tried God. They tried or God would say they tried me, though they saw my work. So that's what sin is. You know, a thought, a deed, an utterance that offends God. It's a rebellion against God. Simply put, it's often just simply putting uh, my will in place of God's. God's will for us is always good. God's will for us is always actually the maximum of our happiness. God's will for us is the maximum of our happiness. God wants our happiness uh very easily though we will begin to think that god's will gets in the way of our happiness or god's will is opposed to our happiness god's will 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 somehow be less if i could just be on my own and do what i want i'd be happier because surely i know better how to make myself happy that's what every child thinks as well if i had this computer game and this pair of shoes and had a single room remember back in the day uh when you watch tv programs and um the Americans, right, they used to have like Sweet Valley High and all those Beverly Hills, 90, 90210, whatever it was called, 90210, uh, they used to have phones, right, in their bedrooms, right, with all with the cords, of course, you know what I mean, or some of that a really stinky uh, antenna that used to come out of the phone, and we were like, oh my goodness, they have phones in their bedrooms. Because for us in Ireland, there was one phone per house, and it was normally in the corridor where it was cold, uh, usually in front of the front door, you, know, no, somebody, you don't remember that, uh, it was in front of the front door, so like, your full conversations were always in the middle of the corridor. Hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. Hi, Granny. Yeah, 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 I'll be over later. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, I saw that movie. You know, you trying to have a conversation with the whole family gathered around you, like, it was ridiculous. And then you see these American TV programs, like, oh, they look so rich, they've got a phone in their rooms. Now, kids, everyone has them. Everyone has them. Like, so we can get so easily distracted by all of these uh, thoughts that if I could do, if I had everything I want, if I could do everything I want, I would be happy. Rather than thinking, Lord, I actually trust you to provide for my happiness more than I trust myself. And that is quite a statement. That is quite a statement. But somehow... The temptation, right? Temptation can actually form us. Temptation can actually give us the opportunity to grow in virtue. So temptation isn't temptation. Oh, oh, I have to say that phrase this kind of carefully. Temptation isn't it. Isn't all bad, <laughs> in the sense that because of temptation, I can grow in virtue. Uh, the some of the some of the saints, Saint Francis of Sales. Now he's just a genius when it comes to to. Encapsulating these kind of ideas. He says the very attacks intended to, de- to defeat us can become in fact the means to our victory. He says no matter what temptations may come to you, no matter what pleasure accompanies them, as long as your will refuses consent, not only to the temptation but also to the pleasure, they should not disturb you since God is not offended by them. So as long as we don't consent with our will, not just to the temptation itself, but also to the to the pleasure of the temptation. You can, without falling into temptation, you can kind of be glad that you're tempted and kind of enjoy the temptation kind of thing. So he renounced both, and then he said, you've, you've won. There's an opportunity there for, for growth. You can imagine uh, a couple on a desert island out there in the Bahamas somewhere, and the, the husband says to his dear wife, you know what I mean, I'm... Just, it's just you're just so amazing like I've, I've always been faithful to you and she says yeah there's no one else here right so imagine that same couple living in like Ibiza or somewhere right where there's like scantily clad people there all year and then he says those same words you know what I mean I love you and only, I only have eyes for you it's quite a different statement if you're living on Ibiza right I only have eyes for you when you're surrounded by thousands of temptations so it's the same kind of idea. If, if, if we're surrounded by temptations, and we are, and we still choose God, that's a much greater mark of virtue than, than having no temptations and choosing God. So our temptations, is, this is how, like the genius of, of, of God. We would, some of us might think, well, if God just took away temptations, surely everything would just be better. It would be easier for me to be a saint, and surely he wants me to be a saint, so if he just took away the temptations, I could be a saint. But it's actually through the temptations that I can become a saint, because I have to strive for virtue. I have to, to learn how to fight in this battle for holiness. I have to learn. And sometimes, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll fall or I'll fail. But then I learn about God's mercy. I learn to rely on his mercy, not on my own strength and not my own power. So even temptation serves God. Even temptation serves God in the end. So we're never, we're never abandoned to... to, to Whenever abandoned in this, in this battle, uh, St. Catherine of Siena, she wrote something, it was very frank of her, very honest of her to, to come out so openly about these kind of sins. But she said, uh, St. Catherine of Siena gives a sobering account of how on one occasion the most awful sexual temptations buffeted her. When they were over, she complained to God about about him apparently being absent during this time of temptation. The Lord's reply was that even though Catherine was only aware of the ferocious temptations at the time, he was indeed right there in the midst of them, giving her strength to make it through. And then St. Francis de Sales also writes, God is delighted when we resist temptations, even though we may feel slimed after them. You, know, you may feel kind of dirty, you know? Uh, even, even though you haven't fallen, it's just that the fact that there was a temptation. Yeah, this can sometimes happen also to to people uh, who do Eucharistic adoration or spend some time in the chapel. You go into the chapel, all of a sudden this thought just comes out of nowhere. You're, Where did that come? <laughs> <And> <laughs> but you just feel bad. Here I am, like, sitting in front of Jesus and this this thought in my head is disgusting. But And you feel like, oh, I, I'm not worthy. I shouldn't be here, right? So... Again, if the temptation leads you to sin, then obviously that's that's a bad thing. If the temptation leads me to grab on even tighter to Jesus uh, at the foot of the cross, well, then I've won. Then I've won. And of course, those of you who are good at your spellings, sin and pride, what do they have in common? Right in the middle of both is a big dirty I. Sin and pride. Sin and pride. It's, it's me at the center, me fulfilling my will, realizing my happiness regardless of what God says. We take the ego out and we're, we're left with a, a gap, a hole, a space that can be filled by God. So then rather than being full of ourselves, we can actually be full of him. Rather than having a an I in the middle, we can have the cross. And so we ask the good Lord today to deepen our trust in Him. And when we find ourselves on the battlefield surrounded by temptations, that we may use these opportunities to grow in virtue, to grow in faith, to grow in trust and to grab on even tighter to him. Amen.